hell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the official holiday podcast for people who never stopped believing in the Peppermint Fairy. Today's an exciting day because this is the podcast's first voyage into the Disney afternoon. So join us as we nosedive back to 1990 for a very special holiday episode of Tailspin. This is Jolly Molly Christmas. I am impatient drunk attempting to battering ram my way into the local watering hole despite it being seasonally closed, Mike Westfall. And joining me is my friend for life through thick and thin, it's Joey O. <laughs> Good job. And I was actually going to throw that line at you. So, aw. Hey, thanks, buddy. Uh, I have you to thank for adding this to the list because of a list of your own that you dug up from your childhood. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, so I've spent years on and off going through the endless stuff, stuff of mine at my parents' house, because I'm sure many of your listeners and friends are are also hoarders of things from their childhood. <laughs> at least my parents are. <laughs> I have every scrap of everything, and I couldn't believe how much I found in different boxes and piles. And I, I'm going through this box and sometimes i'll text mike things like look what i found look at this uh fox 29 fan club letter <laughs> but I, I was going through this box that was mostly like baseball card stickers oh nice like the like foil like shiny stickers you get the silvery ones yep and i find this uh note paper where i made a list of christmas specials i guess i was going to watch um i don't know why there's times next to them because this isn't when they would have aired but um the weird thing is, is that most of them are ones we've done here on the podcast already. Yeah. Uh, Cobra Claws is coming to town yep. or are coming to town. Rudolph, a wish for wings that work. Yes. Which I don't remember seeing more than once or twice. Huh. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. An episode of Darkwing Duck and this Tailspin episode, weirdly. So I, I didn't I don't know when I wrote that or why I wrote it. But buried amidst some California angels, silvery <laughs> stickers, I found that. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, and I'm glad we hit most of those already. We will get to Darkwing Duck. But I wanted to do this because it aired earlier. Mm -hmm. And I think those are two of maybe three of the Disney afternoon shows that even had a Christmas episode. DuckTales didn't do a Christmas episode until the reboot. Rescue Rangers didn't have one. Gummy Bears didn't have one. It had a couple of winter-themed ones, but they don't count. And I think the only other one that... Oh, wait, no, Gargoyles had one, and then and then Bonkers, but I was not a fan of Bonkers, so... What about uh, Goof Troop, which I never really watched? Oh, you know what? Goof Troop did have one. You're right. It had, like, a special. But it, it aired in primetime, I believe. So that'll be on the list, too, then. Great! 
Let's talk about the Disney afternoon lineup and we'll get to Goof Troop, if that's where you wanted to start with. We can. Okay. I feel like we had to do the history, the history of, of Disney, Disney afternoon. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to do Tailspin. <laughs> so for the unfamiliar, let's do a quick run through of the history, the history of, of Tailspin. which premiered in 1990 with an introductory movie on the Disney Channel before airing for 65 episodes in first-run syndication. So I had forgotten which Philly station ran the block at first, and to my surprise, it was Fox 29. Yeah, I remember that. They had from DuckTales onward. Yeah, uh, well, Disney Afternoon started with Gummy Bears in the the, uh, 3 o'clock spot. And then DuckTales and then Rescue Rangers and Tailspin was the new show. The others, they just kind of brought over from previous seasons. And Tailspin features characters from Disney's adaptation of the Jungle Book, particularly Baloo the Bear, and reimagines them as a post-World War I era cargo pilot. And we all just accepted this. Yeah, I was reading last night. Uh, there was questions about exactly when does this show take place? And the yeah, the general idea is post-World War One. Because, well, when does the Jungle Book exe- itself happen? Much earlier. Like, when did Rudyard Kipling write the Jungle Book? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, that takes place either in the late 1800s or the early 1900s. Yeah, it says the Jungle Book was released in 1894. So, there you go. There it is. Also, I have to point out, if you look up again, we're going to be coming back to the wiki for Tailspin because there's some very, some very interesting facts in here. <laughs> um, Tailspin is listed under the following genres, action, adventure, comedy, drama, mystery, crime, fantasy, animated series, and diesel punk. What? Which is one of my least favorite WWE feuds. But <laughs> um, Apparently, it's like steampunk, only marginally different in the technology. Okay, yeah, a little later. So, yeah, post-World War One, as opposed to uh, a little bit before that. Yeah, I like the tweet that compares Tailspin to Quantum Leap. <laughs> Dr. Baloo keeps jumping from life to life, hoping the next leap is the leap home. I, I said to my wife, I'm like, this is, it's kind of also Futurama. It's Planet Express. They're a bunch of shipping. It is Planet Express. Yeah. But notably, the Jungle Book was re-released in theaters in the summer of 1990. So this may have been where the renewed interest in Baloo came from. Yeah, I thought that was earlier because I feel like I I know I saw a bunch of those uh, re-released Disney classics in the theaters in the 80s. I didn't realize Jungle Book was 90. It felt like it, it, it probably was. It was both. So I remember watching it as a very young kid and I looked it up and it was 1984. Okay, because that was one of the first. Maybe the second movie I saw in theaters, the first, yeah. as I've discussed, was The Rescuers with Mickey's Christmas Carol attached to it. But here's something that blew my mind. When I remember the Jungle Book had been re-released right around the same time as Tailspin coming out, I was looking at its box office stats and discovered in Germany, Disney's The Jungle Book is the biggest movie of all time in terms of admissions. Weird. Like, so random. Titanic is number two, a distant number two, and Avatar is number 10. Did they add up the the uh, John Favreau movie together? No. The, it just, once again, proves my theory. Germans love Baloo the Bear. <laughs> 
episode, Tailspin was co-created by writers Jim Megan and Mark Zaslov. Megan has cited as inspiration a 1982 adventure drama TV series called Tales of the Gold Monkey, which is also about a cargo pilot in the South Pacific in the 1930s. And that explains a lot. Yeah. Like main character even wears a hat like Baloo's. This Christmas episode, Jolly Molly Christmas, first aired December 20th, 1990. That was a Thursday. And it was the last new Tailspin episode until January 1991. And if you subscribe to Disney Plus, you can watch it right now and all of Tailspin. This episode's number 42. Or it may or may not also be found elsewhere on the internet in an archive of some sort, perhaps. The Disney Vault? <laughs> sure. A Disney Vault. <laughs> Good enough. Let's go. So as the theme song says, let's begin it. We open our episode on what appears to be a snow-covered Christmas square, but in reality, we're zoomed into a snow globe, St. Elsewhere style, in the hands of Rebecca Cunningham on a very rainy day in the show's harbor city of Cape Suzette. A delicious pun. Ah. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife Erin said that too. She's like, are kids supposed to know what, that it's a pun on Crepe Suzette? Nope. Like, I don't think so. No. They just went with it. Uh, just fly with it. Yeah, just fly with it. <laughs> uh, but no, rain is not unusual in Cape Suzette, even in December. But Rebecca is dreaming of a white Christmas, and she is voiced by an old friend. It's Sally Struthers. I remember Christmas when I was a little girl. I remember the lights, the toys, the candy, but most of all, I remember the snow. We last heard from her on this podcast as the villain in The Glow Friends Saved Christmas. Oh, Morty, we did. <laughs> yes. And according to the show's creators, Becky was based on and also probably named after Rebecca Howe, Kirstie Alley's character on Cheers. So here's, here's the thing. I always thought she was supposed to, well, she was like Rebecca Howe. I didn't think that was on purpose. I was like the character. She's Rebecca. She's got the same sort of job and personality. And I didn't realize it was intentional until I dug into the Wikipedia. It even says in there, not only that, they want to do like the, the Sam and Rebecca relationship sort of with her and Baloo. Yeah. Like they were really going specifically for cheers as a reference here, which I did not realize was that specific they're just throwing darts at a wall and seeing what it lands on <laughs> but yeah i've talked about her i've talked about almost every voice actor in this episode before except for one that's the voice of rebecca's daughter molly you know molly that's what i really like for christmas to see it snow well christmas isn't for two days maybe we'll get some she is voiced by Jana michaels Born in 1983, so she was seven when this episode aired. Did you look up her IMDb? I did. I saw besides this show, she was in a 1990 sitcom called What a Dummy? What the hell is this? I've never heard of this. I don't know. Neither have I. Out of all the things, co-starring a talking ventriloquist dummy who lived with her family. And Stephen Dorff was the dad or right? somebody in this? He's the main adult? Like, this is right around that time when every puppeteer was trying to ride that ALF wave, I guess. <laughs> ALF wave. This was 1999. How did I never hear of this terrifying sounding show? I'm sure you'll find a clip of it for the show notes. We sure will. 
called What a Dummy. What a Dummy. Like, I remember Scorch after this. I do not remember What a Dummy. Ooh, those brownies smell scrumptious. They're for the school fair. Will you try one to see if they're okay? Yeah, who made them? I did. I'll pass. Uh, Jana Michaels was also in the movie Bushwhacked, starring Daniel Stern as, well, just imagine his character Marv from Home Alone as a scout leader. Uh, And as a teenager, she had a recurring role on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and then she stopped acting after that. But here she's got the perfect kid voice for Molly, who tells her mom Christmas is still two days away. Maybe they'll get snow. But Rebecca tells her it never snows in Cape Suzette. And with that, she heads out to do some last minute shopping, leaving Molly in the care of her cargo pilot, Baloo, Voiced not by Phil Harris, but by Ed Gilbert. Hi, Pumpkin. Gonna help us decorate? Nope. Gonna write Santa. We last heard from him during our episode on Brave Star, and that's going to be a running connection with a lot of these voice actors. Uh, He was 30-30 and the shaman in a role that did not age well. (laughs) Uh, But here he's a fine replacement for Baloo. Question about Molly. Yeah. Did they ever say who her father was or whatever happened? Or is Rebecca just a single mom on a Disney afternoon cartoon, which is surprising? I don't remember them ever bringing it up. Yeah. But not that unusual knowing Disney's track record of parents. parents. Yeah. But uh, here's something I didn't know. They actually did bring back Phil Harris as Baloo. But not only was he getting up there at that point, he was 85 years old. But it was also a four hour round trip from his home in Palm Springs to the recording studio. So they just couldn't make it work. So they scrapped what he did for the pilot, I guess. And they brought in Ed Gilbert and he does a great job capturing Baloo's essence from the Jungle Book and bringing it into something completely different. So Baloo's here at his base of operations. The air cargo delivery surface higher for hire, which Becky now runs. He's decorating the place a little later than we're probably used to these days, but fine. And he's got some help from his young navigator and steward, Kid Cloud Kicker. He already sent him a letter. Hope they're writing too. Voiced by then 12-year-old R.J. Williams. Last time we talked about him was in A Chipmunk Christmas when R.J. was just three (laughs) and he voiced Alvin's sick friend Tommy. And I know in that episode you brought up uh, my favorite thing he's done, which was Wake, Rattle, and Roll. Oh, good. See, someone remembers Wake, Rattle, and Roll. I loved Wake, Rattle, and Roll with the <laughs> robot that wasn't conky. But it was <laughs> right. uh, uh, it was Rob Paulson, though. Was it Rob Paulson? I thought it was uh, Townsend Coleman. I'm pretty sure the robot on Wake, Rattle, and Roll was, was Rob. Right, Internet? To the Internet! Yep, there he is. Okay. Rewind the robot. Wait a minute. I thought his name was Dex. Oh, it is Dex. Why did it say rewind? What is this? Everything is wrong here. (laughs) Internet. But no, it was definitely Rob was was the robot. Okay. Not Rob the video robot. That's something else. That's something. Uh, But he's doing a more Michelangelo type voice, which is why I probably thought it was Townsend. Radical robot. That's right. Not metalhead. No, not metalhead. He had a metal head and tape because it was a VHS tape. But also here at Hire for Hire and tangled up in Christmas tree lights is Baloo's clumsy mechanic, Wildcat. Speaking of Ninja Turtles, it's Pat Fraley. 
Hey, Blue, check it out. Oh, now that's what I like to see. A guy who gets into his work. <laughs> here, let's keep going back to the well of interviews I did like six years ago. Here, here's a <laughs> three second clip of Pat Fraley doing Wildcat in the middle of our interview. Tailspin, I did uh, Wildcat. Mm -hmm. Blue is a syringe of banana. I forgot. Oh, there's a new island on the map. No, it's guacamole. So he wasn't the brightest bulb of characters. Well, Pat Fraley's last mention on this podcast was also from Brave Star. He was Brave Star himself. Yes. Uh, that's some range. Brave Star to Wildcat. Krang. To Glowworm before that. <laughs> so they're all decorating while Molly gets to work writing what she calls a special delivery emergency letter to Santa Claus. And while she's doing that, Kit is hanging tinsel on the tree by bouncing around it on a pogo stick, which I can't decide is brilliant or annoying. Seems like it's useful, but all that bouncing knocks Molly's last candy cane off a desk and it shatters on the floor. And that prompts Baloo to suggest that she put the broken candy cane under her pillow for the peppermint fairy, a propos of nothing. Molly was a little upset, but not distraught. Baloo didn't have to calm her down or anything. He just pulled out the Peppermint Fairy story out of nowhere. This is apparently the Tooth Fairy's cousin, but unlike the Tooth Fairy, Baloo just made up this one. So now he ties a string around his finger to remind him to slip a candy cane under Molly's pillow and then immediately forgets. Does anyone do that in real life or is it only a, a TV show trope? Like, cause you, you put a string in your finger and you're like, okay, what, what was it supposed to signify? I've never done. Well, I might've done this as a kid because I remember Ernie from Sesame street had a whole <laughs> bit about it, but he had like multiple strings because, well, I need this string to remind me what this string was for <laughs> to your exact point. <laughs> it's cause you're a puppet, Ernie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, we cut to Christmas Eve morning, and Becky wakes up Baloo, who fell asleep in a chair downstairs, says there's an emergency. The store gave her the wrong present for Molly, which we never come back to, by the way, but that's not important. She's got to go return it now, leaving Baloo to watch Molly again, and suddenly Baloo remembers, whoops, he forgot the peppermint fairy thing. But here's the thing about the tooth fairy. They have to get so much more close quarters to a sleeping child that Santa ever had to. <laughs> so Molly's already awake and shouts at Baloo, you lied to a little kid. Did the peppermint fairy forget something? Oh, hi. I uh, see the uh, peppermint fairy told me to. There is no peppermint fairy. You lied to a little kid. I was only trying to. I bet all that Santa Claus stuff you told me is baloney too. Oh, no, Molly Cat. Santa Claus hates baloney. Listen, children, besides visiting your house overnight, the two don't have all that much in common. Santa's not coming into your bedroom unless you're living in a studio. So Baloo tells Molly, of course there's a Santa, but naturally now Molly wants proof. And without even a pause, Baloo immediately says, OK, I'm flying you to the North Pole and you can give your letter to Santa in person. That was the first thought in his brain. You don't think Santa's real? Fine, let's go. Get your coat. He's a quick thinker. He came up with the peppermint fairy idea. He really is. He's sharp. Through this whole thing, he's like, I got a plan in seconds. 
my I mean, one might say he's smarter than the average bear, <laughs> but they can't legally say that. They can't legally say that. And Molly does get her coat. And while she's doing that, Baloo reassures Kit he's got a plan. Because depending on where Cape Suzette is in the world, Santa may already be out and about on Christmas Eve on the other side of the globe. Where is Cape Suzette in the world? It's sort of not quite in the jungle. Is it an, is it an archipelago? I think it's, well, it's a cape. So I think there's an archipelago nearby. We see Pirate Island, and that's an archipelago. Uh, Louis is also an island that's, well, it's a plane ride's distance, but a short plane ride. We don't have an exact location, but the Disney wiki says it's probably central or southern California, which would mean actual Santa has already left the North Pole. But Molly doesn't need to know that. So Baloo's plan is to call up his pal Louie. King Louie in an alternate universe, but here he's the proprietor of his own hangar bar and refueling station, which, y'all, this place looks amazing. Put that in a theme park. <laughs> it looks like Louie's place consists of a repurposed pirate ship parked under a giant tree, which also has several levels of thatched roof tree houses. Thatched roof cottages! I almost said that. There's an aircraft hangar in the back. I want to go to there. So Lou calls up Louie, and unlike Phil Harris, Louie Prima was dead. So a wild Jim Cummings appeared. <laughs> Louie's place, it's your dime. Why, deck the halls is Baloo. <laughs> well, of course I know it's Christmas, man. It... Oh, why, sure, I'll do you a favor. What you got? You want me to dress up as who? It has been a while. The last time we heard from Jim Cummings on this podcast was way back in 2018 for Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. That's surprising. I know. Uh, but he's a very good and very obviously Jim Cummings Louie. Yeah. Uh, he's also the he's also the voice of the ruthless Don Carnage later. Oh, we'll get to Don Carnage, <laughs> the blundering wonder. We will. Uh, so... Baloo calls in a favor to Louie. He, Kit, and Molly rush to his seaplane, the Sea Duck, before Wildcat can even load the cargo of soap flakes Baloo's supposed to be transporting. And despite Wildcat also wanting to go to the North Pole, Baloo leaves without him. Take me. I won't say anything. I'll sit quietly. I'll be quiet in the backseat. Poor Wildcat. Too late, Baloo's in a hurry to do this North Pole trip before Becky gets back from shopping. And we cut to Louie's, where he's gone as far as to change his neon sign at the peak of a mountain on his island to say North Pole. Which he did not have to do. That was very quick. He really turned around his whole property into Santa's workshop in the North Pole in like hours. Right. And he didn't have to do that because Baloo blindfolded Molly so she didn't see. <laughs> They go in, he takes off Molly's blindfold, and as far as she knows, she's in Santa's real live workshop, which is still packed with elves making toys on Christmas Eve. We, the viewers, recognize the elves as the monkeys Louie employs, all dressed up in elf costumes. There's another monkey outside with a tree branch tied to his head like the Grinch's dog <laughs> to be a reindeer, but just the antlers of the reindeer just walking past a window so Molly can only see antlers, and there's another monkey doing the Monty Python coconut clopping thing to sound like who's? 
There are lights hanging all over inside the bar. There's even a very big season's greeting sign above the wall over the stage. That's a lot of work. It is. And it happened very quick. I mean, I know he has all these helper monkeys, but still, like, get out the tinsel, everybody. We have them in a box yeah. somewhere in our island basement. Like, I'm sure there was already some decorations. Like, I'm sure the season's <laughs> greetings might have been up there, but... There's a big jump from decorate your place for Christmas and become the North Pole. (laughs) They have a whole stage set up where we find a chimney with hung stockings and Santa Louis enters via the chimney into his own workshop. (laughs) Can we make that canon? Can Santa just enter every building via chimney no matter what? Just hates doors. (laughs) It's a weird superstition thing. But that's still not as weird as Louis wearing human shoes. (laughs) I didn't even realize that. He's got Santa's black boots that are clearly smaller than his actual feet. It's weird. He's like the anti-Krusty the Clown. (laughs) He had some small shoes to fill. (laughs) Yes. And as far as Molly notices, it's the real deal. So... Santa Louis still slides out of the fireplace singing his hide, 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 Doesn't Molly know Louis? Yes. Yeah. But he's got the Santa beard, so. <laughs> well, and Baloo does have to aggressively whisper, It's on the <laughs> That line sticks out to me for some reason, because I believe this is the first time I heard the expression Ixnay. That it was before Ixnay on the Ombre, that's for sure. It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I had to have been aware of, and it was aware of uh, the genie using it in Aladdin, saying Ixnay on the wishing for more wishes. <laughs> I had to have been aware of Pig Latin. I was 10 years old. Feels like a very fifth grade girl speaking in code thing. But never heard... Ixnay, so didn't know the word Knicks. That's a basketball team as far as my 10-year-old self knew. (laughs) Molly's very excited, but before she can even finish telling him that she brought him a letter, Santa whisks her onto a chair, calls for her assistant, Elf Waldo, to bring his list. Waldo appears to be this universe's stand-in for the one monkey in the Jungle Book with the white Einstein hairstyle. I found out the Jungle Book version of this character has a name. He's called Flunky. (laughs) Flunky the monkey. Flunky the monkey. Never used in the Jungle Book, but got to give him a name. Like a very George Lucas thing to do. (laughs) I'm pretty impressed they put together even this whole list on a long scroll of names in such short notice. Elf Waldo, my list. Ah, let me see, Dolly, Holly, Sally, Polly, Molly! This kid's grade A, triple gold star, numero uno, good! I'm not even going to question that it's not alphabetized and it's in rhyming order because he reads off a Dolly, Holly, Sally, Polly, Molly! And sure enough, she's been very good this year and Santa tells her he's going to give her everything she wants. But again, before Molly can finish her sentence, Santa dives headfirst into his bag and pretty much empties it out, just tosses all kinds of toys and trinkets Molly's way. Okay, now, here, take a couple of these. There's some assembly required. Don't worry about that. If you're an old, here, check this one out. You go like this. Wang, wang, wang. <laughs> you're going to love that. I want to see the scripts for some of these episodes and how much of it is just Jim Cummings' lines say ad lib for 10 seconds. 
But Molly doesn't want any of that stuff. You know what she really wants? Just the bear necessities. Ah! Ah! <laughs> waka waka. Different bear. Different bear. Uh, it, it does get to the point where she has to shout, stop, please wait. All I really want is to give you this letter. And Santa has his elf read it aloud and everyone is stunned to find out Molly is only asking for one thing this Christmas. Dear Santa, I only want one present this year. It's not for me. It's for my mom. Mm. Could you make it snow for her? That would be the biggest and bestest present of all. And with a nervous laugh, Santa Louie tells Molly, your wish is Santa's command, even though he immediately whispers to Baloo, you said I had to be Santa Claus, not Jack Frost. I laughed at that line. Yeah, so did I. And as Baloo turns to the camera and asks us, oh man, what are we going to do now? We cut to commercial. Don't go away. Disney's Tailspin will be right back after these messages. Now McDonald's makes aviation history with Disney's Tailspin characters. Each McDonald's Happy Meal you buy your kids contains a die-cast Tailspin toy. There's Baloo. Oh, baby, this is serious. Kit Cloud Kicker. Can I fly? Can I? Molly. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. And Wildcat. <laughs> what did I do? And the propellers actually move. Tailspin Happy Meal at McDonald's. Pretty terrific. And now, back for more Disney's Tailspin. And by the time we return after those messages, Baloo's got a plan. He asks Louie to keep Molly santified for a few more hours while he goes back and gets those soap flakes. Shake a few out of the plane, and Molly will see it snow. And that actually sounds like a decent plan. Louie's hesitant at first, but Baloo starts pouring on the guild. Oh, come on, Louie. You want to ruin Christmas for a little kid? Yeah, think what the real Santa would say. He says, just sing Christmas carols till they get back. And Louie asks, what if my customers show up? Because some people still need to go to the bar on Christmas Eve. Norm! (laughs) Baloo tells him, have them sing too. And that would have been a great plan. But we find out later, he just locks him out. That'll go well. (laughs) Meanwhile, Santa Louie and his elves stall for time and sing a round or several of Jingle Bells for Molly. And also singing a much less enthusiastic round or several of Jingle Bells are Tailspin's resident air pirates. Who are sadly gathered around a little Charlie Brown tree with what looked like little metal nuts and washers hanging from it. And their surly caroling wakes up their boss, Don Carnage, from a long winter's nap. Will you shut up with the jingle yelling? Visions of thunder were dancing through my head, and you woke me up! What is your problem? I love Don Carnage. He's one of my favorite Jim Cummings characters ever. Oh, he's, he's just such a great mix of, like, arrogance and silliness and, like, a fraction of menace sometimes. Right. And a fun... um non-specific accent yeah it's like a mix of a but it's like a little bit of french a little bit italian a little bit of spanish like jim cummings can do a cajun accent for days but he mixes in some others in there i'm sure it's vague on purpose come storming out will you shut up with the jingle belling from what i guess is his sleeping quarters that's just deeper in pirate island's network of caves in his purple embroidered bathrobe and nightcap 
I like his outfit, too. He's a very dashing pirate. Yeah, he's got to get his beauty sleep. I mean, like his normal, like blue. And, oh, his and normal gold. outfit is great. It, yeah. The old Captain Crunch blue suit. <laughs> yeah. Not the hat, though, but Don Carnage doesn't need it. And he's got the scarf. He wants to know, what is your problem? And his first mate, Mad Dog, replies in tears. We're getting nothing for Christmas. And Mad Dog's whiny, weaselly voice is Charlie Adler. That's another one we last heard in Brave Star. He was Tex Hex. This is the same year he started voicing Buster Bunny, so there's your time frame. You know what else this character uh, is known for? Oh, what's that? Hating manure. (laughs) (laughs) The only other air pirate who really gets a speaking role here is Don Carnage's second mate, Dump Truck. Yeah, on the counter, we've been real bad. Who was voiced by Chuck McCann. Y'all recall he was Santa in Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. Uh, But last time we heard from Chuck McCann on this podcast was as a couple of ghosts from Pac-Man. He was Blinky (laughs) and Pinky. And he was like an old-timey, like, almost radio comedy guy. Oh, yeah. He's he's been around for a long time. Uh, And Dump Truck's voice here is similar to Pinky's in Pac-Man. It's it's that deep, weep it real bad. And Dump Truck, I noticed, wears a rather Dickensian-looking top hat with a feather sticking out of it. But he wears that all the time. It's not just for this episode. I thought at first, oh, everybody's dressed all festive. No, they're just pirates wearing what they can find and steal. Well, Don Carnage's solution is simple. They're bad guys. If they want Christmas presents so badly, go steal some. And his crew spirits are instantly lifted as they head for the planes. Meanwhile, Rebecca returns from her gift exchange in what appears to be even more last-minute shopping. Again, it's Christmas Eve now, so whatever she still needed to get, that was the day to do it. Comes back to the dock to find Wildcat sadly sitting on the not-delivered boxes of soap flakes. Where are Baloo and Kit? <laughs> oh. And where's Molly? They took her to the North Pole to see Santa Claus and left me <laughs> But that's the exact moment Baloo and Kit return without Molly. And that's not even the first thing Becky notices. So... Blue and Kit try and hastily grab a box of soap flakes, and when Becky asks what they're doing, Blue simply explains the truth. What are you doing with my sudsy wudsy soap flakes? Well, we were going to sprinkle them out of the plane and... What? And Kit's the one who has to explain. Molly asked Santa to make it snow for her mom as a Christmas present, and Blue was trying to grant her wish. And of course Mama Bear can't stay mad at that. But just to complicate things, now it starts to rain. And we cut back to Louie's, I mean Santa's, where a group of customers who always spend Christmas Eve at Louie's are locked out and left standing out in the rain. But they hear singing inside, so they start trying to break down the door, thinking they're missing the party. Meanwhile, a tired set of monkey elves are on who knows what number round of Jingle Bells because that's apparently the only Christmas song they know. (laughs) Or the only one you were allowed to use, the only public domain song Disney was going to let you use. That's not correct at all, but (laughs) it's the only one that they're going to make them sing. But to Molly's credit, she's been extremely patient this whole time. Very politely asking Santa if he's going to make it snow soon. And Louie replies, any minute now. And 
Thankfully, he's got a CB radio message coming in from his undercover elf. It's Baloo on the other end, letting him know that the biggest and best Christmas present of all is on the way. But uh-oh, Don Carnage and his crew were also listening in on the same airwaves, so now they want the biggest and best Christmas present of all. Did you hear that, my merry brothers? The biggest and the best Christmas present of all! We have hit the jack in the pot! We have hit the jack in the pot! <laughs> That's the other thing I love about Don Carnage, or all his uh, his malpropisms. Yes. <laughs> it's not quite Balky, but it's on the same line. It's a, Yeah, I, I didn't think about Balky, but that's it. <laughs> Get out of the city. Yeah. <laughs> Land of the free, home of the Whopper. <laughs> so Don Carnage and the crew find the sea duck and open fire. <laughs> Becky and Wildcat have to duck and roll to avoid being shot. This is like about a year or two before Batman the Animated Series where they couldn't, you know, or it's not that far after G.I. Joe where they had to use lasers. Right. And Batman the Animated Series where the standards and practices were were very specific about what kind of weapons and bullets you could see. But Tailspin, they're just all in on the like post-World War II artillery and, and guns and ammunition. They're littering this plane with bullet holes. People complain about the Disneyfication of Marvel and Star Wars, but here's a little girl's mother getting shot at on the Disney afternoon. So now Baloo's got to fly through a worsening thunderstorm and avoid gunfire, which leaves him with only one thing left to do. They want his Christmas present? They can have it. So Kit, Becky, and Wildcat open the plane's hatch and dump the boxes of snowflakes, creating what looks to be a very bubbly, wintry mix, which apparently sends all the air pirates' planes into a nosedive. Now, I don't know much about flight mechanics. You got Wildcat. (laughs) Right. Yeah, well, but I don't think soap would cause that. But fine, bubbly soap storm kills planes. It's tailspin cannon. (laughs) But really, now I kind of want to see it snow bubbles. Somehow the bubbles are animated particularly nicely in this short scene. So thank you, tailspin animators, for putting that much work into it. Oh, what is the the fake snow at at Disney World made of? Soap. That's it. Uh, Yeah, there you go. But but that looks more snowy than soapy. We call it snope. (laughs) <laughs> or they call it Snope. I don't know. Are you debunking what it is? It's Snopes. <laughs> well, Mad Dog and Dump Truck are delighted by the Snope, despite crashing into the ocean. Oh, boy. <laughs> and they I think we see them sink before it fades out. We see them all just sink and start like singing and with their gurgling as they go into the water. Like (laughs) Don Carnage, of course, is not amused, but that's the end of the Don Carnage portion of the episode. A whole two or three minutes. I was glad he showed up still. Yeah, I'm glad he's here, but bummed he couldn't stay. That's what you get for shooting at people. (laughs) You drown. Yes. But unfortunately for Baloo and company... Between having to dump all that soap to lose the pirates and, you know, getting shot at, they're down to just a single box of soap flakes and it's empty. Meanwhile, back at Santa's workshop, the customers outside have busted down the door using a big log as a battering ram that they just found. (laughs) 
they cut down one of the trees on the island. Yeah, it looked like a big log, but they were really thirsty. Hey, man, (laughs) this is what I do on Christmas Eve. I mean, I remember like we get Chinese food every Christmas Eve and I was really bummed the year that I had to work and I almost threw a battering ram fit, but didn't quite get that close. They get in there, they ask Louie why they locked them out on Christmas Eve, and sweet little innocent Molly says, This is no Louie, this is Santa Claus. And these jerks laugh at her and yank off Louie's beard. This is no Louie, this is Santa Claus. Where'd you get the crazy threads? Yeah, what kind of jerks are these drunkards that they wanted to make a little girl cry? They're surly drunks. Yeah, they just got there, too. They haven't even started drinking unless they were pre-gaming before this. That's how they got the log. (laughs) They had to have been because they all just stand there laughing at Louie and Molly, sending this poor girl running out of the place grabbing back her letter as she goes, and not a single adult in the place thinks to go after the child who just ran away by herself. They just want their beer. They got to get to their uh, their alcohol. To Louis's credit, he does apparently go looking for Molly later, but doesn't catch up to the very end of the episode. So yeah, not putting that guy in charge of children again. (laughs) We now see Molly running along the beach in tears, And it's probably bad that my thought is, ooh, that looks like a nice tropical place. I'd want to spend Christmas. She runs off to this high cliffside and throws her letter off as she sobs. What did that look like to you? Because it looked like something else specific to me. Oh, no. What? Uh, When the little kid throws his drawing of Santa into the water in Twas the Night Before Christmas. It was the night before Christmas. You're right. But that drawing does hit the water. This one doesn't quite. It continues floating and the wind takes it up into the clouds. And we cut back to Molly, who's fallen asleep under a tree on this cliffside. But she wakes up to Becky, Baloo, Kit and Wildcat, all calling her name, looking for her on the beach. And Molly's first thought is, Now what am I going to give mom for Christmas? This is a good reminder that this is how kids' thought processes go. Her Christmas was effectively ruined. She's outside on her own, and all she cares about is, oh no, I don't have a gift for my mother. Oh, it seemed like sometimes the plot forgot that the snow is for Rebecca and not for Molly. Yeah, like they do add kind of as an afterthought every time they bring it up for her mom. But as Molly gets up, we see a twinkle in the sky, and Molly's ear twitches causing her to turn her head skyward. And we don't get to see what she sees through a clearing in the clouds, but you know. Is that weird that they did it that way, that you don't actually see Santa? I kind of like that they did it that way. I thought we were going for a Jim Cumming Santa, is where I thought that was going. I I did too. I thought we were going to at least hear him. And then Jim Cumming Santa... Tis the season to be sharing, Fred. (laughs) Tis the season to be sharing, Fred. I still like the original better, but... Yes. But no, all we see is her staring in amazement, and then she giggles a bit, continues looking up at the sky, and that's when Becky finds her, asks if she's okay, and Molly simply says, Mommy, I saw him. 
And now she and Baloo also look up. And again, I like the way they do this where they don't show us anything. No sights, no sounds, just a couple of twinkling stars and everyone staring at something or someone that's just off camera. And here's where Louie catches up with them asking, what are you guys looking at? And that's when we see a single snowflake fall down from the sky and onto Becky's nose, followed by a few more. Think it is? Kit can't help himself. He catches a snowflake with his tongue. Wow! Needs sugar. And Molly laughs and begins to dance around, overcome with joy. Louie asks Baloo how he did it, and Baloo simply replies, Louie, my man, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I would. Merry Christmas, Mommy. We zoom out on a snowy Christmas Eve on Cape Suzette, and that is it. A very simple but a very sweet ending to Tailspin's Christmas episode. It's a very sweet episode all in all. It's just a lovely little story. Oh, she wanted to get, you know, yeah. snow for her mom for Christmas. Aside from all the, you know, the, the pirates shooting bullets at them. Right. But no, it's a really lovely little episode. Yeah. You got any final thoughts? Just it, it was fun. Like, I think we've seen we've watched various cartoon from various eras of the 80s and 90s on this show. And some of them aren't the best or aren't very enjoyable to watch. Glowworms. <laughs> <laughs> Wacky wall walker. Ah, bless you. No, the Disney, I think the Disney afternoon shows all pretty much hold up pretty well. They do. This is definitely yeah. worth a rewatch if you can get to it. It's not long, only about 22 minutes. But I think Tailspin is better than a lot of people remember. Maybe it just sort of falls through the cracks because everyone loves DuckTales. And I mean, Rescue Rangers just had that movie, which was a lot of fun. Did You saw it, right? They did. Oh, I loved it. Yes. And I always loved Darkwing Duck, but maybe Tailspin just falls through the cracks a little bit because, I don't know, the Jungle Book characters aren't as as beloved. Like, I don't know. Maybe. I loved the Jungle Book. But I also was in the theater in 1984 when they re-released it, so. I was trying to remember, like, wait, what? I had to look it up just now to see um, the number one thing I would think of with the original um, Jungle Book characters and whatnot. I had to look up, what was the song from Mouser Size? And the answer is, I want to be like you, too. <laughs> oh, they called it I want to be like you, too? The number two? Uh, I guess because it's a sequel, according to this Wikipedia entry on Mouser Size. Huh. An album ha- I don't know if you've ever brought up on here before. No, I haven't. I remember the Mouser Size show on the Disney Channel. Oh, I know. I knew the album by heart growing up. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I didn't have that one. Get the money. Uncle Scrooge's money. <laughs> but yeah, Tailspin's better than a lot of people remember. The Tailspin theme song is definitely better than a lot of people remember. Oh, I, I knew every once it started. I'm like, oh, I know every word of this still. I haven't heard it in decades. Oh, yeah. I might have been able to do the like spin in a minute when you spin it, spin it, spin it. <laughs> Very nice. Well done. No, solid A tier Disney afternoon theme song. Uh, and this Christmas episode was great. So thank you for joining me and reminding me it exists. I'm glad I could fly in on the sea duck <laughs> and uh, drop that information from the sky. Yes. And Joey, if people want to wake you up from your visions of plundering with sad and off-key caroling, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, please don't wake me up. But you can find <laughs> me at I'm going to DJ24 on Twitter. And you can hear me on Wynet Radio at wynetradio.net. Do those things, please. 
And I'm on Twitter at FallWestMike and also AdventCalHouse. You can find complete show notes for all the rabbit holes we went down the night. There's no rabbits on this show. No. <laughs> They're bears and... I was close. Whatever. What is is Don Carnage a wolf? He's a wolf, yes. Yeah. Looks like a fox. He's a wolf. Uh, but those are all at AdventCalendar.house. Thank you again for listening. Hope you spin back here in a couple of days for another exciting episode. Until then, for Joey O, from my conveniently nearby North Pole workshop and hangar bar, this is Mike Westfall reminding you to please watch out for that icy patch. And here's hoping Dr. Baloo's next leap is the leap home. <laughs> and now, these messages. On the Snow and Southtown Christmas podcast, we discuss Christmas movies, Christmas music, and we have fun segments where we always talk about something weird and something fun related to Christmas on each episode. If we're tired of making fun of Michael Bublé, I might recommend Pentatonics. I'm not going to play you two on this, on this podcast. Thank you. He's eating ice cream and crunch taters. He's just partying, man. Thank God it's them instead of you, right? I was going to say he was rolling over in his grave, but I don't think he's dead, but... Well, he's still doing it. When he heard Patty LaBelle, he <laughs> dug his grave and he rolled in it. How about 10s and 20s? 10s and 20s. Be sure to check out our website at snowandsouthtown.wordpress.com, where you'll find links to our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Discord. Uh, yeah, I'd like the tiny tots, please. You mean a, some small tater tots? <laughs> yeah, yeah, your tiny tots. He told them the whole time. They know one beagle. Fire that up. Speaking my language now. You can stream our podcast at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It's a problematic movie. Yeah, we should pee together at least once per decade, really. He is Dallas Snow Sotar because he is. He's jingling those bells. Some jingling them bells. Jingling those bells. Look what you did, you little jerk. Check out Snow in Southtown. You won't regret it. And by won't, I mean will. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. The first wine.